Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. is Tech News Today for Wednesday, May 12, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Ayaz Akhtar. And I'm Jason Howell. Wow. It's actually been a few days since all four oh, of us were together. All the howlers in the audience will be happy. That's right. uh, All two of them. So, how was Google I/O? Uh, it was it was great. Two My, days of of Google cult madness. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Obviously, you know there was a, there was a lot of hardware to be seen there, which was good for me and and for the Andro- all about Android show. And uh, yeah, just talked to a lot of people about Android. Got a few saw Jane's addiction. Saw a few songs of Jane's addiction. But enough song. Five Do you want to get enough. your disclosures out of the way now for all the free stuff that I, you got? I do own a Samsung Galaxy Tab 10.1. I do own a Samsung uh, Verizon MiFi, and I will own an Acer Chromebook. And Jason uh, is also in the next couple of weeks. Jason is also powered by Android today. Hell, am I? How so? And new OS. What else do you have access to that none of the rest of us in this room oh, have access to? Oh, that would be uh, Google Music. Yeah, okay, I believe Fancy. something like that. So there. It, right. am no I Clear? Talk to Jason. Yeah. Who's there? Just turn your back. No one. Well, that's going to be harder for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we, got, we got some Facebook news. We got some software piracy news. But let's start off with uh, Comcast not blocking the Pirate Bay. Although if you're a Comcast customer, you can't get to the PirateBay.org. Comcast says, we ain't blocking it. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, and Gadget reports that several people on Comcast reporting that they can't get to the PirateBay.org, and that was true for me at home. I'm on Comcast Business Service. I am. Um, I have Comcast as well. Couldn't get to it. Same here. And there are people on other ISPs around the world saying they can't get to the Pirate Bay either. So it probably isn't a simple, nefarious Comcast is blocking the Pirate Bay, but no, no well, idea what actually is going on. Yeah, checking out one of those services down for everyone or just me.com. Pirate Bay is up, according to them. So, I mean, it, it could be Comcast doing something. But, I mean, the other alternative is that, that uh, the Pirate Bay is having trouble with their DNS servers and things like that. And that could be because of some other nefarious activity by either a governmental agency or black ops. Or it's not like they don't have enemies. It's Anonymous. Inter- it's yeah, interesting, and- though, that it's the Pirate Bay that we're talking about because if it was, I don't know... Um, Newsweek, or I, I mean, it could be any website, and someone was like, Comcast is blocking this website. They might uh, put their butts in gear a little bit more to figure out what's going on, but they're like, it's not us blocking got- the Pirate Bay, but it is the Pirate Bay, so we're not going to rush out to fix it. Just an informal survey in the chat room, a few people uh, saying, I have Comcast, and I can get to the Pirate Bay. In fact, Matt says, I had a problem earlier, but now it's working fine. So whatever it was apparently got fixed, but like, like you say, it, when Pi- the pirate bay goes away. Everyone notices. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, if it was my blog that went away on Comcast, pff, forget it. 
Nobody they, would have even raised. I probably wouldn't have even noticed. I checked the Engadget poll. People, you could vote and say if you didn't have Comcast. I mean, earlier this morning, the number of people who were on Comcast and couldn't connect was much higher. I think it dropped maybe about by 5% since uh, around 9 o'clock this morning. I'd be interested in the chat room. Uh, just write Ace Detect and, and let me know if you can't get to the Pirate Bay right now for any reason. Because we can get to it here in the uh, cottage, too. But we have like 16 different providers so it's hard to tell which one we're on at any given (laughs) moment up and down all right facebook uh has been conducting well depending on who you are either a smear campaign or a not transparent enough effort to uncover the piracy privacy abuses of google yeah okay uh so the deal is is that facebook hired the pr firm burson marsteller to um, reach out to a variety of news outlets, bloggers, um, we don't even know exactly how many people they reached out to, um, about uh, privacy issues. Uh, And this relates to Google's social circle, which uh, sounds a lot like something that Facebook would take issue with because it's it's about you, all of us connecting within our Google social circle. But then I would, um, for example, have the ability to see friends of my friends, which would I think are friends of friends within mm-hmm. the social circle, which starts to sound a lot like the way that Facebook is set up. Well, Facebook hired this PR firm to, uh, paid this PR firm, paid the money, to reach out to folks saying, hey, we're, you know, we've got a client who wants to uh, spread the word that, that Google is, is, um, is doing nefarious stuff with your privacy. And this is a public service that we're providing. People should know about it. Well, one of the bloggers... Uh, what was his name? Um, one of the bloggers, uh, yeah, said, "Ask them. Well, who's who's paying? Not not who's going to pay me to, if I write this, but who's paying you?" And at that point, they were like, "Well, we can't tell you." Now the the Facebook. I, I think I'll just start calling him that. You should. Um, Facebook said we made a mistake. We should have been transparent about this. Burston Marsteller says this actually runs contrary to our policies, and we should never have accepted the job. Uh, as stated, so everybody's quick to fall on their sword and say, "Know what? It, we shouldn't have done this." But but look, Google is building and displaying accurate depictions of people's social connections by crawling and scraping sites like Twitter, MySpace, YouTube, Facebook, Yelp, and Yahoo. They should be they should be taking a task for this. No one that I'm seeing writing up about this, uh, either on Twitter or in the blogs, is paying any attention to the accusation, which. Frankly, I don't think it's that big of a deal either. Uh, I looked it up, and it, it has a few people. Uh, it has all of the contacts that I have. None of them surprising. All people that I, I have in my address book uh, or, or I'm connected with on Twitter. And it says where it found them, whether it's on Twitter or a public Facebook page. It's not like Google's breaking in somewhere. They're just creating connections the way they create connections from page to page. Does this bother either of you? Uh, even if it did... I completely throw out everything that Facebook is is um, suggesting Google is doing because of the way that they handled it. If Facebook really thought that Google was doing something wrong with our information, they should write up a blog post and let people read it, and you know, and promote it however they want to promote it um, within the you know the Facebook chain. They I- shouldn't hire a PR firm, pay someone money to secretly sort of leak information. That, that doesn't that isn't traced back to Facebook. What are they afraid of? If they really think Google's doing something wrong, why do they need to hide? 
Well, I mean, this isn't the first company to do I've been calling it a whisper campaign where they just kind of plant these stories to reporters and they even offer to help write the stories that blogs run. I mean, USA Today... And that's be, not unusual, by the way. PR companies offer to help write posts all the time. Right. So, I mean, USA Good Today... Good journalists was, say, no, thank you. ...was, was offered really. a similar thing. I, I mean, I don't know if, if this bothers me that Google would have these connections as well. But on top of that... Um, on top of that... Uh, Facebook's fear is that it'd be like a Google News kind of thing, right? You'd scrape all this information. Why would you ever go back to Facebook? You would just go, look, I'll just go to my social circle. I'll see what my friends are doing. And then you really have little reason to go to Facebook. Now, again, what you were saying, Sarah, makes a lot of sense. If Facebook really does have an issue, go public and go say that. Yeah. But that's I mean, not what they wanted to do. Here's what I think. Because this is such a non-issue, the fact that Google is collecting this stuff. But if you don't pay attention or if you don't actually look at it, it might sound like an issue. Facebook knew that if they created a blog post about it, everyone would debunk it immediately. And say, but if they, oh, Facebook just says But if they, could, if they could actually seed some outrage amongst a blogger here or there, it might get some traction. The way we had that TwitPic mm-hmm. uh, uh, story that we talked about yesterday getting blown out of proportion. Sure. Even though there was a real concern at the bottom, it got blown way out of proportion. Facebook was hoping to do that. They were hoping to have it blown out of proportion without people paying attention to what the real issue was and deciding whether it is bad that Google is scraping publicly available information. Considering Google's always under fire about privacy stuff anyway. Well, I Facebook's mean, always under fire I mean, about privacy stuff. It seems stuff. like these companies so are So I think they were like, you know what? We want to make Google under fire more about privacy stuff because every time they are under fire, they have to take a couple steps back. It I, just seems like, so, I, I mean, I guess... It's possible that no one would have said anything or or thought to ask, well, what's really going on here? And they could have gotten away with some bad publicity for Google, um, privacy-wise. But they didn't try very hard. I mean, this blogger was like, who's paying you? And the PR firm's like, mm, can't talk about that. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. And, and, and Chris was able to uncover that it was Facebook and have, had good evidence about it. And Facebook buckled like a house of cards. Just say, yeah, yeah, it was us. There's also talk that... Uh, Which was well, smart because it would have been a worse... I think it would have been a worse controversy if they hadn't copped to it right away. Oh, definitely. There's also talk about how Facebook is, has poached people from Google for some time now. People who work in Facebook PR used to work in Google PR. So there's a little bit of like a... I mean, is do they have to hide behind some sort of a, a wall so that they're not upsetting their former colleagues? It's... it's I'm telling you, it's one a of the, mess. all this is doing is setting up for one of these days, one of these companies is going to buy the other. Like 10, 15 years from now. Oh, and they it's just gonna, hate each other so much that they be have some, to get together. It's like, going to be one of those big moments. I those hate big you so moments. much. I'm buying you. Get a room, for Facebook and Google. trillion dollars. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Business Software Alliance came out with a shocking study today that software piracy has hit a record high of commercial valuation of $59 billion. And that developing countries are the worst Actually, uh, if you look closely at this study, Canada came out pretty good. Turns out uh, Canada's actually pirating less software than it used to. Well, they're very polite. Yeah. They don't want to upset anybody. Good on you, Canada. Michael mm-hmm. Geist has a lot to say about that. Uh, but this is a... Oh, my God. The only reason I think I even wanted to bring this up is this is the kind of thing that people will see the headline and go, wow, software piracy is getting really bad, $59 billion. It's another example of where they, they try to estimate the amount of piracy and then put a commercial dollar value on it. Also, the Business Software Alliance represents, oh, I don't know, companies like Adobe, Apple, Microsoft, Symantec. I mean, there's some very expensive software programs in here. I'm not saying because a software program is really expensive that people shouldn't be buying it, but 
it's it's not all software. This yeah. is a, a bit are, of a skewed. These are always an overestimation. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to do with actual revenue numbers, which have been fine. Software industry is making plenty of money right now. There's not even a controversy about that. Uh, and IT World points out that by the BSA's own criteria of valuing everything based on what the actual retail full price should have been, uh, that the business is being hurt more by ordinary discounting than by global privacy because very little software sells at full list price. So if you count up the amount of discounts being given, there's probably more than $59 billion worth of discounts being given every year. That's killing them. They should stop discounting. Discounting is ruining the software industry. It's basically piracy. It's worse than piracy. <laughs> I'm just looking at the BSA numbers. $59 billion doesn't seem so crazy. I mean, if, I, if you would think of if this was the RIAA, that would be like... Five hundred ninety trillion, right? Because at least they have a valuation of something that sounds somewhat reasonable. Because what, what is every song pirate that 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 once you pirate one song, that's like what one hundred seventy five thousand dollars worth of damage or something ridiculous like that? Well, yeah, depending on how you evaluate right. it, the so court cases. So fifty nine yeah. billion, that's nah, not so bad. The yeah. record industry is crying, you know, itself to sleep. So all I'm saying is, we really need to stop software discounting. That's uh, right. Also, everyone in third world countries, uh, developing countries that uh is is uh pirating software uh and you should stop feeding yourself and uh start paying full price for software that's right that's the other thing the business software alliance is focused on is we really need to stop sheltering and feeding people and get them to pay for software bsa also they they say and by the way not everyone even knows that they're committing a crime so it's piracy but it's uh unintentional piracy sometimes where yeah. you know people don't realize that you can um you can uh, yeah, install a, or buy a single software license and install a multiple multiple computers in your home, but not in a business. But a lot of people do that in a business, but they think it's okay. But right. they're still pirating. Because, well, and we, as we know, every piece of pirated software out there would have ended up as a sale at full mm-hmm. price. That's right. No questions asked. Absolutely. You know what? People don't pirate software. Pay for software. But don't let studies like this... They, they overdo it. They, you know, they're... There's, there's an agenda. There, yeah. The Business Software Alliance wants to portray something. So know how to read between the lines, I Don't guess. be fooled. That's right. Uh, or, or maybe uh, send an invoice. Just bill them. <laughs> guess what? Fight fire with That's fire. That's five minutes I can't get back. And my rate is $100 every five minutes. And you could use our sponsor for today's show, FreshBooks, to do that invoicing. Although it's probably better used for real invoicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you're a consultant or a freelancer or a small business owner. Uh, but I've done it. I've, I've used it and I can swear by it. FreshBooks, it makes invoicing easy. It may not make it pleasant. It may not make you want to invoice. What makes you want to invoice is getting the money. But FreshBooks actually helps you get your money faster. So it's absolutely worth it. Quickly and easily create and send professional-looking invoices. You type in your client information in there. You get up to three clients free. So you can try it out without any risk. They'll send the invoice. They'll make it look professional. You don't have to mess around with office templates. Uh, and then once that invoice goes through, they will actually keep emailing to make sure, hey, have you paid? You know, you only got a few days before the due date. You're overdue. Here's the overdue uh, consequences. And they'll accept the payments for you, a credit card, by PayPal, by 11 different kind of payment opportunities. And if you're out there uh, and you're thinking, well, you know what? I got this one client. He just insists on having something mailed to me uh, for $1.39 per invoice. They'll actually print out and mail with a return envelope your invoice for you. Uh, so everything you need is there. FreshBooks.com, three clients free. And if you tell them TNT sent you, 
you'll be entered to win a free cake. Which we were lucky enough to sample. I think it was last week. We got our cake, mm-hmm. our FreshBooks cake, and it was delightful. FreshBooks was. gives away a birthday cake to one of our audience members every week. Uh, all you have to do is say, hey, in the, in, the, in the notes, I heard about this on TNT. I want to be entered for the free cake. It doesn't have to be your birthday either to win the cake. No. Just try them out. FreshBooks.com. We thank them for their support of Tech News Today. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know what that company needs? They need a Sheryl Sandberg. No, um, probably not. No, but I, but I think that is apparently a common phrase in Silicon Valley amongst venture capitalists because it's it's sort of as if to say you need somebody who can turn this ship around and scale you. Yeah, and scale <laughs> you like a ship. Sheryl Sandberg. Can I don't scale actually think anyone you. says that. No, uh, but it, well, it used to be you need adult supervision, and that's where Eric Schmidt came in with Google. He was the adult supervision, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now. You get guys like Mark Zuckerberg who are like, hell no, I am not giving up control of my company to some adult supervision. I'm staying in charge. And Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook and has made a name for herself, made herself into a, a, a description of a role by helping to guide Facebook from behind. In other words, providing that adult supervision while letting Zuck still be in charge of the company and make all of the decisions. Now they've all, Business Week did a profile on her. That's what the reason we're talking about this. And one of the big points that people are picking up in the blogs is that what is Facebook's China strategy? Now apparently Mark Zuckerberg thinks that Facebook could be used as an agent of change in China, and Sandberg is saying she doesn't want to do the compromises necessary to do business in China. Uh, I mean, Facebook has 600 million people using it. It's interesting to see that they're not even a player in China. And just imagine how many more users they could have worldwide if they would enter that market. And so this, this is an example of a really difficult issue that maybe a founder who's excellent at coding really has the vision, is not equipped to deal with, and a Sheryl Sandberg can help them scale that problem from behind. Yeah, under her, they've gone from 66 million users to 640 million. And the funny thing is we've seen Twitter grow, and we've always, everyone knows the fail well. Does Facebook have a, an analog? Do people say that? Or do they just say, well, Facebook's down? And that rarely happens. At least I think so. Have you found Facebook to be a problem? Has it scaled well, successfully? I, I mean, Facebook, I can definitely think of times where it's unresponsive or down. But no, for the most part, it's you, you, know, you can count on Facebook to, to be there and to be stable. I mean, this is also a social network that has, has grown in popularity rather organically. So, I mean, it's not as if Sheryl Sandberg has contributed to another 600 million users. I mean, the, the service is growing anyway. It's that it's able to scale is where people are patting her on the back. And they aren't hiring themselves into a huge bureaucracy. Remember, Google has gone up to 26,000 plus employees it still blows my in its mind. 10 years. Facebook's five years old, only uh, 2,000 plus employees. And they're building a new campus that maxes out at 3,600 employees. So that's another thing that she has been instrumental in is saying, let's not grow too fast. Mm -hmm. Let's work on efficiency. Let's try to make sure we keep things under control so we don't grow faster than we can handle. Uh, And that's a mistake that a lot of startups make is they just get out of hand and and say, you know what? We got to hire. We got to hire. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have hired you, IS. I know. You sure? I, yeah, I saw that. Because I need, I need adult supervision. So yeah, <laughs> you're the Cheryl Sandberg of TNT. I'm the adult. That's trouble. Or, or the or the Zuckerberg. You're the Sandberg, Tom. Uh, no, I, I'm just some joker in the cafeteria. The Would joker you like more in the peas? Cafeteria. <laughs> 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 All of a sudden, I had uh, a sort of a, a Batman. 
image oh, in my not head. that joke. Yeah. No, no, I'm a nice joker. On to the White House proposing cybersecurity legislation to the Congress. Uh, their proposed law is designed to force companies to do more to fend off cyber attacks. So rather than put in requirements and regulations, it would actually encourage companies to report on any kind of breaches or or other intrusions. Uh, 47 states have laws on this already. The White House's plan would just standardize the method and manner of intrusion disclosures and put in place penalties for computer criminals updating laws that don't cover cyber crimes to cover them. Uh, things like racketeering uh, laws would set mandatory minimums for cyber intrusions into critical infrastructure. And it would also include clarification of the Department of Homeland Security's authority to help victims of cyber attack, as well as making some, some easier ways to share info between private companies and state and local governments. In other words, this seems like a way to try to keep the hands off as much as possible mm-hmm. while solving all of these inefficiencies in the system that prevent enforcement of good laws against cybercrime. Yeah, there's trouble about information being shared. If you have the Department of Homeland Security, they can assist a lot of a lot of companies, but the companies don't know when they should go to the Department of Homeland Security. So there's not exactly a protocol involved for something like this. And this proposal would... They haven't actually released the full text of it yet, but there's a, a fact sheet about it. And the idea is there would be clear guidelines of how do you actually access uh, the help of this uh, Department of Homeland Security when you would need it. I think this is, uh, you know, we haven't actually got to see the text of the proposal. It's only been uh, a, a summary and a press conference that we're working from so so far. Hopefully this evening they're, they're going to release the full text. Uh, but it sounds at least in advance like maybe the best cybersecurity law I've seen proposed. I, I don't want to go so far without seeing it to say it's good or that I support it myself, but... Uh, everything seems reasonable that they're suggesting. Yeah, there seems to be some uh, weird element of common sense in here. There's, yes. there's certain laws like, like RICO, the racketeering uh, statute, that doesn't include cybercrime, even though uh, people are using computers to, to do racketeering. So it should be updated to, to, uh, to the times. I mean, that's the problem. A lot of these laws are static, and they can't cover cybercrimes. They should be updated. Another good uh, article out there today is Neelai Patel's write-up on This Is My Next of the Skyhook Google lawsuit. Now, what's going on is Skyhook is accusing Google, as we've mentioned before in Tech News Today, of using their influence to provide anti-competitive measures, basically keeping Skyhook's location data services off of phones. There's two cases of that. One uh, with Motorola, which told Skyhook that its carrier agreements require Google apps to be preloaded on its phones, and because Google wouldn't allow it to preload apps on its phones unless it got rid of Skyhook, uh, that it was not going to use Skyhook on the Droid X. Samsung actually shipped Google Nexus Xs. I'm not, I'm sorry, uh, shipped Samsung Galaxy S phones with Skyhook software on there, and then at Google's behest, changed the software after shipping to get rid of the Skyhook stuff, breaking GPS and location services in the process, and then having to issue another patch to fix that. And so Skyhook is taking Google to court saying, you are being anti competitive. Uh, and you are abusing your position. Now, we have debated whether that's true or not in the past. What I find more interesting in this write-up from Neelai Patel is the description of how Google is able to force these device makers to do what it wants. Because m- my old question was, well, if Android's open source, what stops Motorola or Samsung from saying, yeah, forget it. I'm just going to take Android and put it on anyway and forget you. I'll use Skyhook and a bunch of other third-party apps. 
Yeah, the thing is, Google, they have control over their Google-branded apps, Gmail, um, YouTube, and Maps, and things like that. And there's some interesting email strings that are shown off. Well, the Android too. Marketplace is an app right. that, they say, that they will not allow you to have unless you meet the Android compatibility definition and pass the Android compatibility test suite. That's why you might have seen other tablets with a version of Android on there, but they didn't have Android Market. So there was really no reason to go there because you would have to, to even have apps, you'd have to have something like the Arcos App Store because I think they were one of the companies that had their own thing going. Samsung, in their contract with Google, they could not do anything to assist or create their own SDK. So everyone who was thinking, oh yeah, they'll make a, a tablet for Amazon, that makes no sense because otherwise they'd have to develop their own app store. As we know, Amazon has done that. So they, there's no way Amazon's got a deal like this. But uh, Google, some great quotes, these email strings. It's obvious to OEMs that we are using compatibility as a club to make them do what we want. So pretty much they can just withhold Google's blessing and they can stop. They stopped the Droid X from shipping and the Galaxy S. By the way, those two, te- those two tests that have to be passed, the Android compatibility test suite and the Android compatibility definition... Google reserves the right to change both of those in any way at once, right up to the point a device is certified for launch. So if, if they want to, at any point, they can say, you know what, we, we don't like Motorola anymore. We're going to change the definition. You no longer pass. Yeah, yeah you, I, we know we, we looked like you were going to pass a month ago, but we've changed the definition. Or even stop shipments. Yeah, they, I mean, they've put stop ship orders on the Droid X. Yeah. I mean, that's 11th hour stuff right there. It's, it's interesting that, that there have been whispers about, well, you know, would, would Google have this kind of a power or would they exercise it? And yes, they do and they have. Apparently, even this goes as far as Andy Rubin. They have emails from Andy Rubin saying, shut down the Droid X launch. We're not doing that right now. And it's right to the CEO, I believe, of so Motorola. It's a, it's a separate question of whether Skyhook has a case. And Neelai, after going through all of this, says it looks shaky mm. uh, because essentially... Google has all the right agreements in place, uh, and Google can change their mind about stuff. And they, they can say, look, you're free to go put whatever operating system you want on this device, but if you want to put Android with YouTube, Google Maps, and the Android Marketplace, not to mention Gmail, then you have to play by our rules. Gmail, I don't think, is that big of a deal because you can get Gmail through any email client. But to say you're not going to get YouTube or Android Marketplace, no YouTube app or Android Marketplace app on your Android device unless you meet our definition, well, essentially, you've got a locked platform. You have a closed platform by de facto there because you have to play by Google's rules. So it's only going to be as open as Google wants it to be. And if they look at Skyhook and say, you know what, if they use the Skyhook device, uh, application, we don't get to collect that data. Uh, and we really need that huge database of, of location data because that helps us improve our location services. Uh, they can make a case that, you know what, that would be uh, detrimental to our business. And, and so we're not going to allow them to use our other apps if they use Skyhook. Uh, they also try to make the, devi- the argument that Skyhook devices would somehow contaminate Google's location database. I think it's a, that's because the technology Skyhook uses to get locations was slightly different than Google. So Although they I don't know how they can data. make the argument that Skyhook's location data wouldn't be available to us and make our database worse. But at the same time, it would contaminate our data. You're either getting it or you're not. So there's a little cross-purpose there. I think, I don't know about that first point, but I have to reread this. This is Skyhook, a long, long Well, read. Google Google made two points. One is that Skyhook devices would somehow contaminate the Google location mm-hmm. database. And one, that Skyhook would not contribute to the Google location database. They can't be doing both at the same time. Well, I think what Google's saying is um, 
nothing that Skyhook has would make our service any better. But if people had a choice, then they would just be confused. That is probably be, what they'll end up saying to a judge. Yeah. <laughs> you can charge them per hour for that one. Yeah, I think, and I think you should. You should use FreshBooks and go invoice for them. I will. Right there. All right. Uh, Steve Forbes uh, put a nail in, in the paywall, as far as I'm concerned, uh, today. Forbes Media Chairman, former presidential candidate and uh, publisher of Forbes Magazine, said even if you have a successful paywall, the revenue you get will not come close to matching what you're going to get on the advertising side. Speaking for Forbes, he told Paid Content, we believe getting that wide audience gives you many more opportunities to offer pieces or the whole to marketers. It gives you much more flexibility. Even in the old print days, for most publications, most of the revenue came from advertising, not paid circulation. Uh, so, I, you know, I think this is bad news for paywalls because, in my opinion, the only way paywalls work is if you don't have much other option. If I, I, the reason I don't think paywalls are going to work is that there are so many other options on the web. But if somebody as legitimate as Forbes magazine and the other Forbes publishing uh, retinue is now available without paywalls because Forbes doesn't believe paywalls will work, I think you're going to see paywalls be a lot harder to put in place. Yeah, I mean, how do you justify a paywall that not everybody has agreed to use when there are so many ways to get around it using uh, social media tactics that are widely known to be effective? You know, if you are a writer for the New York Times and you want to promote your own work, you tweet about it and you tweet a link. And somebody, you know, a, a third-party application like Flipboard can then display these wonderful articles and the way that they were intended, and people get a lot out of it. And it's like, why would you ever? Use, why would the paywall even matter? I mean, what is the point except to to alienate some folks? I think I think this paywall business is all, as I've said before, I, I think it's all an overreaction to the gap between advertising moving from the old media to the web, uh, and 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 there is a gap in, in advertising right now, and it's causing a panic, and it's also a consolidation. Television stations can't be just television stations. Radio stations can't be just radio stations. And newspapers can't be just newspapers. On the web, your print, your broadcast, your audio, your everything. And so there's not room in every market for as many versions as there has been. And some of these are going to go out of business. And so we see paywalls uh, start to fly up. But the audience won't always act the way you expect them to act. And that, there's a, a related story here from Fortune magazine, of all places, uh, that points out that Apple's magazine subscription rules are starting to feel more comfortable to publishers on the iPad because people are sharing their information. 50% of subscribers click allow when asked if they would like their name, email, and zip code to be sent to the publisher in order to send them messages about related products in accordance with their privacy policy. All the publishers were afraid to go through the iPad subscription store because they didn't think anyone would press allow and they didn't think they'd get any of this valuable personal information. Yeah, the publishers wanted the information directly from Apple because they figured nobody would click allow. Why would you give out all this data to the, to the publishers? But, I mean, do you think this has anything to do with the fact that there's just two options? Like, if, if there was something that said, give me more information on what I'm doing, would there be like 33%? Would it be less? I, I mean, I just think that a lot of folks, I mean, it's the same folks who um, who sign up for, uh, you know, a Pottery Barn catalog. 
And then some people actually don't mind. No, they, they actually get it. like it. Yeah, it's, they it's, look forward to it. Exactly. I mean, it's just pile of mail. I mean, it's not yeah. always a really bad thing to folks. And some folks say, "Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd like you to uh, be sending me stuff that's relevant to me based on the subscription. I, I I don't see a huge problem with this, and I don't have a huge privacy issue, or you know, I don't foresee one. So sure, allow. And, and you know what? You're actually getting a better database to work from in this case than you are in the other case. The old case was the newspaper said, to subscribe to us, you got to let us have all this info. Not real whole lot of choice. If you want to dig in and find a form and call us, maybe we'll take you off the list. Now, what they're getting is 50% of the people who say, you know, maybe they didn't read this and just print it and just pressed allow, but at least are more likely to be willing to receive this information. What the, I guess I, the way I should put it is this. 50% of the people who wouldn't have been re- responding to your messages and would have been upset that you had marketed to them have now taken themselves out of the pool. You've got a much more valuable database to sell to your advertisers now because they've confirmed, they've opted in. And that's the way it should work. So good job, Apple. You yeah. actually brought the newspapers kicking and screaming to a good decision. Somehow you're pulling it off. Maybe Steve Forbes will do the same thing. Maybe. All right, let's move on to the news fuse. Users are trading in their PlayStation 3 consoles due to PlayStation Network being offline in record numbers. I don't know about record numbers. It doesn't say that. But according to a report, retail sources told Edge Blog that there have been over 200% rise in systems being swapped for cash or Xbox 360s and that sales of PlayStation Network point cards have plummeted. Uh, quote, in the first week of downtime, we did not really see any major change in sales or trades, according to a store manager at a major retailer. But that second week... All of a sudden, everybody was piling through the door with their PlayStation 3s. In a related news, uh, NPD reports that Xbox 360 sales continue to be the best-selling console of 2011, up 60% over last year. Uh, PlayStation is just like, no! How about that? Amazon's president and CEO Jeff Bezos told Consumer Reports to stay tuned on the company's plans for a tablet device. Bezos also reassured that any possible tablet would be much more likely to be in addition to the Kindle, not instead of the Kindle. So he's not saying anything specific except that they'll announce a tablet and keep your Kindle. But other than that, they're not really saying anything. Just keep waiting. Yeah. Remember that hack of Google's sandbox reported by Viewpoint Security a few days ago? Google engineers Tavis Ormandy and Chris Evans have taken issue with the claim, saying that Viewpoint has found a legitimate bug, but it's with Flash, not Chrome. Assuming they're right, since Flash is bundled with Chrome as a user, well, I guess I have a vulnerability in my browser. So stop pointing fixtures... What am I trying to say? Stop, Stop pointing, pointing fixers fix and think it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's a good day to yeah. read for me. <laughs> I agree with you, though. I don't care whether it's Flash's problem or Chrome's problem. Just get it fixed. Intel is working on a new Atom chip architecture that goes beyond the 3D transistors announced last week. The new Atom-based microarchitecture codenamed Silvermont will ship in 2013, adding a new architecture on top of the new transistor structures. The Silvermont architecture will be two generations beyond the current Atom chips. AT&T has made a big, big bet that the U.S. will approve its acquisition of T-Mobile. How big of a bet, you ask? Well, I, a $6 billion bet. If the merger is not approved or if it falls apart, AT&T will have to pay Deutsche Telekom $3 billion in cash, $2 billion in Spectrum, and $1 billion in a roaming agreement. 
and a lot of shame. Yeah, a lot of shame. Billions in shame. Can't count the amount of shame. I don't even know. It's like pie. It's a number that never stops. Yeah, it's logarithmic. It's irrational. Right. Facebook is launching several new security features today designed to protect users from malware and from getting their accounts hijacked. The site will display warnings when users are about to be duped by clickjacking and cross-site scripting attacks. Facebook also is offering two-factor authentication called login approvals and partnering with Web of Trust Safe Surfing Service to give Facebook users more information about the sites they're linking to. Google clarified more about the Chromebook subscriptions yesterday, and it may change your opinion of them as well. Three-year commitments will be required for Chromebook subscriptions, and different rates will be charged for different models. Monthly fees will range from $20 to $23 a device for educational users and $28 to $33 per device for business customers. Interesting to know. All right, like dripping water torture, which I've heard is really awful. Uh, Bing is slowly eating away at search market share. Microsoft raised Bing share to 14.1% for April, according to Comscore, and raised Bing-powered Yahoo to 15.9%, giving them an arguable 30%. Google dropped to 65.4%. All of these drops are within the margin of error, but show a continued slow gain for Microsoft. Still, one year ago, Google was at 64.7%, so they actually also rose slightly year over year, meaning Bing's gains are not necessarily Google's losses. Mm. Just a lot more searchers. Yep. <laughs> we should we should just come up with like a one-line thing to say for these search engine reports, I think. How about numbers? Them Bing, are good. Bing good. Nothing else changed. That That's pretty much it. Hey, I want to thank Empire Steve on Twitter uh, for pointing out that yesterday we said it was two weeks since the PlayStation outage. It's actually three weeks because Holy. I can't oh, it did, count. It did feel longer. We, okay. we, we, yeah. we, and we, but why we, didn't either of us say anything? No, we all did this. We, all, we looked at the like, calendar and we picked days. the right date because we said April 20th is when the thing started and then we counted. I'm like, look, see, 14 days, except I stopped oh, at May 4th instead of May 11th. Uh, that's what what doing a live daily tech show does yeah. to you. Sometimes yeah, you that, go, two weeks ago? Yeah, it seems like a long with, time with ago. Internet news, it seems like it was like, a month, three months ago. Oh, I feel like PSN has been down since I was in high school. <laughs> I mean, um, at this point. So anyway, today it's 15. And that was wait, a long time ago. 22 days. We need, we need a count up page. Yeah. Well, Not a countdown page. We're nearing page, on a month. Up. Well, the, 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 real, yeah. the, the lesson is that it's still down. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty much, so there you go. That's pretty much the main what point. What can we infer that it's still down? Yes. Okay. All right. Finally, 35% of Android and iPhone owners in the United States use apps like Facebook and other apps on their smartphones before getting out of bed. Woo! Sexy In the talk. morning. Oh. In the, well, oh, I see. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. All depends. Right. Certain you're just talking about... Could be in the afternoon. You're just talking about people when they like wake me. Up so I go, it's, in the morning. it's 7.30, let's check Twitter and see if anything happened overnight. Here we go. Oh, maybe I'll play a little Wii rule. That does, kind of thing. Does that mean 35% of us are tech bloggers? Uh, that could be it. Yes. Like, what happened? What happened in the news? At least thirty-five percent surveyed. Oh, Microsoft bought Skype. Huh. The most popular in-bed activity is accessing social networks. <laughs> is that what they call it now? On really? the device, accessing social networks. Are you? Yeah. Woo. Sexy talk. And eighteen you know percent of users log in while they're still in bed. You know what though? I think that this we you know we joke about oh this is you know such tech people, but a lot of what I access Twitter for in the morning doesn't necessarily have anything to do with tech. It's catching up with all my friends on the East Coast or overseas who have already had several hours in their day. That's actually something that I do kind of just before I get started. I feel like I've, yeah. I've kind of caught up with everybody else. And that's just, yeah, I mean, personal stuff. And I mean, there are a lot of Twitter users out there. I actually don't count in here because I, I get up and then I take the dogs outside 
Then I go back to bed and I pick up my iPad and start doing well, stuff. Why, why don't, the first time, right? So yeah. Why don't you have your smartphone in your hand while you take them outside? Well, I'm just saying, and save that, yourself a minute. No, yeah, it doesn't count. I, I do. <laughs> I, oh. I, I, I just was saying it doesn't count for the bed, survey because right. I've gotten up. Because you've yeah, gotten out of bed. Yeah. Got it. On to the calendar. Netflix's Android app is available today for some phones anyway, including the HTC Incredible, the Evo 4G, and the Samsung Nexus S. Verizon has sent out an over-the-air update for the HTC Thunderbolt, although it lacks a fix for LTE. Hmm. Nintendo is launching the 3DS eShop on June 7th. So Apparently there might that. be movies in there. Hey, really? Yeah. Everybody's getting into the movie game. And on October 29th, 2012, so not right around the corner, but you know, coming up next year, that's when the ITC expects Nokia's current patent complaint against Apple to finish up. Wow. Nokia pretty I much I thought you were going to say that's when the PlayStation Network's coming back on. So. Well, it's hard to say. That could be the day, too. Hey, it hasn't happened yet, so that'll maybe, be, that, maybe it'll be a really big day For my calculations, that'll be four weeks from now. <laughs> Nokia pretty much says that um, every Apple device uh, violates Nokia's patents. So, you know, it's a simple case. Yes. Uh, it's only going to take, a, you know, yeah. a year and a half or so um, for the complaint to finish up. So, you know, we'll find out. Never. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's actually go to our video voicemail. Uh, Steve from St. Paul sent us this. He has a contrarian point of view on letting young kids use Facebook. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, TNT. This is Steve from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I wanted to comment about your discussion about kids under 13 using Facebook. I think it's important as a father of three teenagers to emphasize that the terms of service you're agreeing to uh, are important and you actually have to be playing by the rules. You can't just break rules when they're inconvenient. Someday those kids are going to be subjected to terms of service and they'll be legally obligated to them. And I think that we should start them out the right way. So it's inconvenient, but it's important, and I think that that's the message we should be sending. It's how I worked it with my kids. I'd urge everybody else to think about it, too. Thanks. Love the show. Do you feel like you're in, in Steve's family room, and you're on the couch with your hands folded listening to him right now? Like, yeah. Yes, yeah, Steve. I know. I Sorry, can't just Steve. make up the rules no, you're so right, that Steve. it works well for me. When can I get out of here? Am I gonna, is this going to cut my allowance? Um, <laughs> if the new, if the new talk. We got to go over terms of service. <laughs> you can't go around breaking them. Yeah, and the talk adult, is done via YouTube nowadays. I, you so. know, the, the only reason I'm mocking Steve right now is because I can't find any faults with his argument. He's absolutely right. You know, terms of service are legally enforceable, and you are sort of teaching your kids not to pay any attention to them. But at the same time, I think there's some real good uh, defenses for why you would want to have your kids learning Facebook at a, at a young age uh, in the proper supervision, like the email uh, that we had yesterday. Uh, also, Jared points out in an email uh, that it's there's actually a reason why Facebook might not be able to allow children uh, under the age of 13 to use Facebook. Yeah, Jared says, uh, hey everybody, just a quick note. Yesterday you were talking about a caller at a 10-year-old using Facebook. The reason Facebook doesn't allow users under 13 is due to the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act enacted in 1998. That act prohibits any website or service from collecting any information from children under 13 years of age. Just a heads up. Uh, okay, that's a fair point, and that is probably why Facebook is doing it at age 13, for sure. But I wonder, it made me wonder, could they, if they had the sufficient motivation, create a version of Facebook for under 13-year-olds? Because there are plenty of sites that are available for under 13-year-olds to use that are compliant with COPA. 
they don't collect information on the kids. And I don't know if they require parental supervision somehow or parents to, to sign them up or anything. But uh, there, there could be a way to do it because these, these other kinds of sites do exist. I checked out Nickelodeon's site and you try to sign up and it says, Hey, grownups, we don't collect any personal information about your kids. So I guess that that's the, I guess that's, that's the, the entire, way around it. Yeah. Right. But I mean, how would you have a Facebook uh, account without being able to upload anything at all? I mean, would that be of any use to any kid? Well, yeah. And I mean, if you can't run ads on the, the kid friendly version of Facebook, what, what would Facebook's incentive be? Well, the incentive would be once they're over 13, I could start running ads on their pages. Then and they're so, already you in. know, it's but the, the thing is it's, that Facebook it's the or, cigarette strategy. Facebook already knows that when they're over 13, they're going to get an account because all their friends have an account and you want to be cool. I mean, I have to say, if if we're looking at all of our options, it it does make the most sense that you would want to not have your kid turn 13 or whatever age it is and be like, Facebook, I'm running wild and no, any of the rules, now I'm going to do something that everyone's going to really regret. I mean, it's 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 um, responsible of parents to be like, here's how it works, let's monitor it together kind of thing. But whether they should have their own account that you monitor or maybe you're walking them through your own account is, I, I don't know, I still think it's up to the parent. I think it should be up to the parent, but sadly, uh, as Steve has pointed out, it's not the terms legally, of service yeah. make it illegal. Up to anybody except yeah. Facebook. Uh, finally, Phil in Auburn, Alabama, this this great email that we've been having all of these conversations around uh, was apparently read on Buzz Out Loud as well. He says, what the hell? No, really. WTH. On your respective shows on 11th May 2011, you both read the exact same email from Wayne in Montreal. This means Wayne is a form letter writer or he is trying to save on Canadian ISP usage caps. <laughs> Anyways. I got, I got a tweet about this yesterday, too. Someone really got a kick out of that. Uh, I'll, I assume you both know how to listen to each other's feeds. The fact of the matter is, no. I mean, we, I think we do sort of look at each other's lineups, maybe. I've talked to Molly about that. Uh, but we don't have time to listen no. to each other's shows every day. Unfortunately. So this I, is, this I would, is not the first time this has happened. There have been two or three other times. Mm-hmm. And you have to assume that. I mean, hopefully, I'm I'm glad when anybody who's a Buzz Out Loud listener or viewer also wants to listen or or view TNT. I mean, it's great. It's it makes sense that there would be some overlap. But yeah, I mean, there are especially on particular days when we're a little bit more frazzled than others. I mean, there's no way I've got an hour to pay yeah, yeah. a lot of attention. It's really not that big a deal. So so it's, you know, we had the same email. It means it was knows, a good email. Who knows if he replaced you know TNT and BOL with NPR and other? Oh, things. exactly. How other, many other? How many? Try to track how many Wayne? How many Did, did he hire some sort of a PR firm? Wait, was Barston Merstler behind this? Across. What what did he pay? <laughs> All right, uh, fell into the trap. We're on to you, Wayne. We're going to uncover this. We're going to get Chris Ahoyan on this. That's it for this edition of uh, (laughs) Tech News Today. Thanks, everybody, for watching. You can find us on the web at twit.tv slash TNT. You can email us, TNT at twit.tv, or you can give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW. That's the phone number. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll see you tomorrow. caffeinated salad that's what happened how how you had that much energy well because i told the chat room it was dance party and i i wanted to make good okay on you know getting everybody on the floor